everybody, this is James Lindsay. You are listening to New Discourses Bullets, where I give a kind of bullet point summary of a single topic from woke Marxism that we need to understand so we can beat it. And in a recent episode, I talked about the idea of entryism, which is a strategic entry into an institution uh, in order to take it over. In other words, to set up a what they call a counter-hegemony or a counter-institution or a counter-state, if it's a state, um, within a state or institution or organization uh, or even culture in order to turn it over for Marxism. And I want to kind of talk about something a little more specific today. I want to talk about kind of the progression. Like, let's say you have an institution or a board or a club or an organization or virtually anything, and it's about to meet a woke takeover. Now, um, uh, I want to just give like a five-stage process and what that takeover looks like. That's the point of this podcast. So what does an entryist progression look like? Um, This isn't kind of an overall, like every possible domain, how would they do entryism kind of thing, but this is certainly how they would take over an institution or take over a conference or take over a department at a university. And that said, it would be worth your time if you haven't read it, if you are in such a place, to at least peruse the book uh, I published through New Discourses. I didn't write this book. I helped with a little, with a little bit of it, but it was by Charles Pincourt. It's called Counter Wokecraft. It came out a little over a, a year, maybe almost a year and a half ago, something. Uh, I suggest you pick that up. It is actually about the techniques of woke takeover inside of um, institutions. So you might want to check that out. But my purposes today are to say, these are the five steps you're going to see unfold. And then to try to talk about what you might be able to do about them at different points. So the progression, it's always in a list of demands because they're demanding stuff constantly because woke is essentially an entitlement complex turned into a philosophy or set of kind of Philosophy is a strong word for it. It's too self-contradictory to be a philosophy. But what they're going to do is they're going to first demand access. Then they're going to demand accommodation. Then they're going to demand a seat at the table. Then they're going to demand to set or control the table. And then they're eventually going to use that power to demand control over every seat in the room, if not occupation of every seat in the room. In other words, they're going to transform the organization. Okay, so... The order, again, is they want access first, so they demand to be let in. Then they're going to demand accommodation. In other words, you're going to retool the organization to suit them. And then they're going to demand a seat at the table. They deserve to have some say or some power. Then they're going to demand to control the table or set the table. So they're going to set the agenda, the policies, and they're also going to demand that their inclusive policies or whatever actually dictate for the whole organization kind of like stretching that accommodation to the max. And then finally, they're going to demand that the entire organization bow to their rules, including purging and censorship and all of the stuff that goes along with inclusion. And so let's talk about each of these kind of briefly and what you can do when you see them happening. So demanding access is the first step. I mean, I kind of already explained it. It's really simple. They're going to say, you have to let people like us in. Now, there are two kind of situations with an organization or if it's a conference or something like that, an event, um, some are open. Like, you want to come? Okay, buy a ticket, right? And unless for some reason they've actually been blacklisted or banned, if it's an open event, fine. But 
they are in the audience and what they're going, you have to, what you're going to do with them is you can let them come there. If it's open access, it's open access and you shouldn't, you know, go out of your way to be a pain, but you have to be on guard to prevent the next step, which is demanding accommodation. So you can expect that these kind of troublemakers, these activists will go from demanding access to demanding accommodation and kind of one fluid step. And so it's uh, good for you to be ready for that and to not be willing to bend on that. If they say, we demand access and you say, okay, here's access. And they say, well, you need to make it more accommodating for us. You say, you don't have to come if you don't want to. It's really that simple. It's a matter of saying, no, you don't have to actually bend the rules. The rules don't have to be made to accommodate anybody who's demanded access. Now, if it's a more closed forum and somebody demands access and you can tell that they're likely to be activists, you just say no. Nobody gets access just because they demand access. Let them go throw their fit. Let them scream at the building from outside. Let them go call you whatever names are going to call you. Somebody asked me on social media the other day, how do we resist woke Marxists without them calling us fascists? And that's the wrong mentality. What you have to do is you can't stop them from calling you fascists. That's all they're going to do anyway. If you don't give them all of their way, they call you fascists. They call you haters. They accuse you of things. They say you're Nazis. They say something. You're not going to be able to stop that. What you have to do is actually just make sure that the audience that they're trying to fool with that crap realizes it's ridiculous. Um, so you may want to take some proactive steps for that. But for demanding access, it's pretty simple. If it's closed access, don't give it to them. Nobody has, it's closed. You don't have to make, you don't have to give people access just because they want it. Oh, you keep women out when really what you're keeping out is feminists or whatever. No, you don't have, you you don't have to change your, you don't have to justify really why you're excluding anybody at that point. Um, what you'll find though, is that they will do that class jump. Oh, you're excluding say women or you're excluding, uh, racial minorities or sexual minorities or something and try to turn it into a discrimination situation. And we may even try to press civil rights law. So this is, this is one of the biggest problems and weaknesses that we've got to start thinking about in terms of how civil rights law is kind of twisted. A lot of corporations are caught by this. A lot of organizations are caught by this. They'll get accused of a civil rights violation of discriminating when in fact they were not discriminating based on say, uh, sex or race or some protected class. They were in fact discriminating based on ideology or work performance or something else and whatever. So you just, just re remember the other thing to keep in mind with the demand for access is that if it's already open access, just expect that it's going to roll immediately, that the, roll, the demand for access is going to roll immediately into a demand for accommodation. The general rule of thumb with these demands from activists is that they're going to ask for one, take two, and then demand three. If you just kind of remember that, um, or you could say they're going to ask for an inch and take a mile or whatever, but, but then they're going to demand another mile. That's the thing. If you just remember that, uh, it makes it really easy to anticipate that they're going to act like you maybe caved in a little bit or whatever and gave them some other way. They're going to immediately ask for more. And so you damn well be ready to say no. What is demanding accommodation? That's going to be these kind of inclusion policies. They're going to say, well, we're here, we're going to come, but we don't want to hear certain things and we find it to be upsetting or offensive if people talk or if so-and-so presents. There's a lot of that. We don't want, you know, we looked at your list of speakers. We like 19 of them, but the 20th one, we've got a problem with that guy. 
And so you're going to have to have him not speak. You have to accommodate us. So we'll come like, who do you think you are people? Like we don't need you. So don't give in to demands for accommodation. Uh, if somebody has demanded access, you're already giving them something by letting them in in the first place. If that's what it required, don't change policies for uh, perennially offended people. Don't empower that. It's very important not to let them go throw the fit. Let them say that they were felt excluded, whatever. We've got to start letting a lot more of that happen and we've got to shame it when it occurs rather than giving in and bending and bending and bending. The same thing happens in, in personal conversations. Oh, it's just it woke is just being nice. What does it cost you to be nice? It costs you a piece of your soul. Frankly, every time you lie to fit in, every time you bend yourself to accommodate some narcissist, you've given away a piece of your soul. You've given away some integrity. And so you can't do that. Um, but that's where the woke manipulation really begins. So they demand to be let in and then they demand, now you've got to start changing things so that we feel like we belong, so that we feel welcome. So it's more inclusive for people like us. No, bitch, you want it in. If you don't like it, go back out. You've got to have that kind of attitude. If you don't have that kind of attitude, you're going to get rolled and the progression is going to continue. The next step is that they're not just going to demand special accommodation. They're going to demand a seat at the table. People like us, people representing our point of view, which will probably be conflated with an identity category as opposed, like instead of it being a radical activist, they'll say you need black voices or you need a woman's voice on the board or on the council or on the planning committee or on the rules committee or writing community guidelines, blah, blah, blah. And they'll point to all these problems that were mostly things that they ginned up so that they can justify why somebody like them needs to help you avoid those problems in the future. Or they'll just start trying to accuse you of being a racist organization if you don't put somebody in power or sexist or whatever. And that's demanding a seat at the table. Once they start getting a seat at the table, I guarantee you they're going to start changing policy and they're going to start manipulating it very quickly. So if you don't want to lose your organization, you need to be prepared for that. And there are some strategies to deal with this. One is that they can earn a seat at the table only by the usual way, which is that they have to earn it by whatever means that organization allows people to earn it. The problem is, is they will cause a splinter in your organization. So what they will do is they will start to go foment. If you if they're not in power, they'll go foment a splinter group of discontent against the existing leadership and try to do an ouster and try to flip over the table. So at which point the access and accommodation become the problems because that's what facilitates them to be able to do that. And you've already kind of hamstringed yourself in terms of being able to push them back out uh, or stop that splintering. But these are the tactics that they're going to use. But it's up to you. But if you let them have a seat at the table, they are going to abuse the power that you give them. And that's the next step that they're going to ask for. They're going to, it's not just going to be that they want to be allowed in. They demand access. Next, you're going to have to accommodate them and their special narcissistic proclivities. Then you're going to have to give them some power because that's actually what they're after. They're going to demand a seat at the table. And I guarantee you there will be a public relations mess or nightmare at every single time you say no on any of these. The thing you need to understand is the further down this list you are, when you finally draw the line and say no, the bigger a problem it's going to be and harder a problem it is to solve. Much better to keep it out in the first place and uh, have a policy that kind of like a, setting a policy in advance for anybody who, say, gets access 
that prevents them from being able to roll that into accommodation, seats at the table, and so on, is extraordinarily important, and it's worth thinking through in the first place. So especially, you know, in a corporation the or or any other kind of organization, the kind of terms of engagement or terms of service or terms of working there, uh, terms of being involved, terms of being a member, terms of being in leadership, all should have kind of an agreement, whether it's tacit or explicit, depending on the context, that means that when they start throwing those bellyaching fits, that they are already in violation of what they agreed to when they came in in the first place, which steals their ability to make that complaint. Of course, that complaint will be made to an ignorant audience, but it gives you the tool to say, hey, look, when they joined, they agreed that this was how things were going to be and that we weren't going to make special rules for anybody. So when we didn't do that, now they're throwing a fit. And it gives you some power and leverage to deal with the fact as this gets further down. Because if you let them get at the table, the next step is they're going to demand to control the table or to, to, just to be cute, to set the table. In other words, it's not going to be enough that they have a seat on the council or the commission or the board or whatever. They're going to use that to say that that entity has to operate in greater unity. It has to have policies. There, You can guarantee that they're going to start writing policies for how the board itself has to act and how um, new people are going to be chosen to be on the board and all of this other crap. They're going to try to control um, the governing table, as it were, to make sure, and in fact, the policies of the organization or institution itself, to make sure that their way is the only way. And then they will use that increasingly. And this is where I recommend you look at the book Counter Wokecraft because he talks about, Charles Pincourt talks about three different phases, depending on what proportion uh, of a institution they've taken over. Do they have only a small numbers of, of people? Like, do they have, have they just got a seat or two at the table? Are they actually in the position of near parity where they can actually start to really sway the table, or have they taken the thing over? And it, it outlines what you're dealing with in each of those situations, how they will behave, which will change. They will be much more ingratiating when they are few and much more uh, tyrannical when they are many. And in the, it will switch. And so he outlines that. He also outlines strategies for dealing with each of those three situations. So you might want to take a look at that because um, it's not the same. It's a lot easier to deal with a, it's not easy to deal with these people at all, but it's a lot easier to deal with a complaining minority than it is to deal with a tyrannical majority. Um, and finally, if they have that power, they're going to use it to demand every seat in the room or control over everything that goes on in the, in the institution. At which point you're basically hosed. You have, you would have to mount a counterinsurgency to get them out. Um, it would, it will be very difficult. You're going to need something pretty hardcore to make that succeed in a corporation. It's going to have to be like a vote of no trust or a violation of fiduciary responsibility. Um, an owner who goes rogue and decides to just try to like clean house the hard way. I mean, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, it, by the time that they have majority control, you can basically write off that institution. Their goal in general, it's kind of like a vampire. A vampire, you know, as the myth goes, attacks a target and either turns it into another vampire or just kills it. So for the woke, it doesn't really matter which one they do. If they can turn an institution to be a woke institution that generates more wokeness until it spends down all of its uh, accumulated capital, whether that's material capital or whether it's um, social capital, they will spend that capital down until it's gone, at which point it'll die anyway. But if they can't turn it, they'll kill it. 
if they can, because anything not woke is fascist in their mind and has to be destroyed and deserves to be destroyed. So what do you do if they're demanding every seat in the room? It's probably too late. Um, those things are need to be basically discredited, abandoned, and a parallel institution is going to have to be made that's smarter from the outset that can stop this progression. But this progression of entryism into institutions where this kind of thing is how they could take over, whether that's a club, like I said, whether it's a department, whether it's a conference or an organization, is going to start by demanding access, then demanding accommodation. That's where the inclusion, belonging, welcoming language is going to start working its way in. They're going to have to make special policies to accommodate people who really get to choose subjectively when they're offended or when something's out of the line. And if you're at that stage, you're already in trouble. That should be your big first, I mean, the first red flag, but it's not a big one, is when they're demanding anything. And, and if they come off as activists and they're like, we need to be there, blah, blah, blah. That's a red flag. But your first really big red flag is when they start demanding accommodation. Oh, you let us in, but now you've got to change stuff for us. The line really needs to be drawn there as often as possible. Try not to let them have a seat at the table because the next demand is for access to, to the power structure. The next after that is a demand to control the power structure. And the final demand is to control the entire thing. And so one more time, demand access, demand accommodation, demand a seat at the table, demand to control the table, demand every seat in the room. And that's exactly how uh, these infiltrations take place. That's exactly how they develop. And you've got to be able to recognize as these stages are progressing, and you've got to be able to take steps to push backwards. You want it to be where they're demanding access and struggling to get it, frankly, uh, because once you get this stuff in, it's very, very hard to get out. Um, the big line, like I said, one last time, so important to understand is once they start demanding accommodation, which means special changes in policy to accommodate their views, their sensibilities, their subjective feelings, and so on, you better be ready to say no, to say no hard. Tell them that if they're welcome to stay, if they can tolerate that, and they, they can see themselves to the door if not. And if they continue to be a problem or try to generate a splinter, you better have a game plan in, in order to get get them out and get, get rid of them because they will be divisive. Then you can expect the complaints and the attacks from the outside, the bad press, the PR, the whole messy thing. So um, it's not fun. It's not good. If it comes to you, I'm sorry. It's coming to virtually everything. But we've got to start drawing the lines. You've got to understand the progression, and you've got to stop them from um, taking this program from one step to the next, access to accommodation, to seat at the table, to control the table, to control the room. <laughs>